Hi, I'm Bailey Petty. Welcome to Roadmap to Joy. I am the Learning and Development Manager here at Embark Behavioral Health, and today we are going to be talking about school mental health days. And today I have with me Maddie Little, who is actually one of our clinicians at our Phoenix location. I'll go ahead and let her introduce herself. Yeah, I'm Maddie. I'm excited to be here. Um, I love working with our teens and talking about mental health and um, the importance of mental health days. So I'm excited. Awesome. Let's go ahead and get started. Hey. So one of the reasons we want to talk about taking mental health days from school is because um, in the recent years, 12 states have actually passed legislation that allows school districts to provide mental health days as a reason for um, calling out of school. So we want to talk a little bit more about um, what a mental health day is, when it's an appropriate time to take it, um, what you should do on a mental health day, and those kinds of things. Cool. Maddie, what would you say is a mental health day? So mental health day would be a day off from school um, or work for parents where you're prioritizing your emotional and um, mental well-being. Okay. And what kinds of activities are good to, to do on a mental health day? Yeah. We want to look at restorative activities. So things like um, yoga or taking a walk, getting some rest, things that help us rest and replenish um, so that we can feel more energized going back into school or work. We don't want to sit in bed and scroll on TikTok all day, um, which I think can be enticing for people, but Mm -hmm. that's the opposite of what we want to do. We want it to be restorative and healing. Yeah, absolutely. How can you kind of navigate having that conversation if you're a parent and your student um, is needing a mental health day? Like, How can you approach that? Yeah, so... Um, I think there are always signs to be looking for, changes in behaviors, or for teenagers being able to say, I don't feel well today, I'm feeling anxious, or I'm feeling um, confused about things that are going on. And as a parent, being able to listen to those concerns and listening, knowing maybe a mental health day is on the line or is available to my child. Um, So there's a lot of specific things that we can get more in detail about as we journey through the podcast. What are some of those signs that parents can look out for and be aware of? Yeah, so uh, let's say a teenager comes to their parent and says, I'm feeling really anxious today. Um, As the parent looking for those physical signs of anxiety, um, the child may be tense or shaky. They could be uh, more emotional with that tearful expression. Um, A lot of times teenagers don't have the words to express Mm -hmm. how they're feeling and being able to say, I need help, I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling depressed. So other things parents can look for are changes in behaviors. Um, It could be increased irritability or the child withdrawing from the family, withdrawing from their friends, a a significant increase um, or a significant change in grades and academic performance. Or the child saying, I don't want to go to school anymore. I'm done. I'm like sick of this and making those statements of like, I can't do this anymore. So being attuned to what is my child saying? What are they presenting in their symptoms and behaviors? And what can I do as the parent to pay attention to that and hopefully help with some of those things that they're showing and expressing. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. I guess I'm a little more curious on your perspective of how to know like 
what is an appropriate amount of stress or um, school-related anxiety and those kinds of things and what really is more significant. Like, how do you kind of differentiate that? Yeah. So teenagers experience stress, as we all do, because they're human. Um, So school stress can be really good and it can be really healthy for the child to experience the stress, the pressure of academic performance or um, performing in sports, navigating personal relationships, Mm -hmm. all those types of stress can be healthy and productive for the teenager. When it becomes distressing and it becomes too much for the child to handle, um, the parent might see some of those significant changes of behaviors like we had mentioned, where the child's performance is hindered by that stress. So they're paralyzed by that fear of how failing a test might impact Mm -hmm. them or um, they're unable to step onto the court for sport because they're so afraid of what might happen or they're feeling so overwhelmed by everything that's being presented to them. Okay, that makes sense. So it's kind of like if that stress or anxiety is almost like debilitating or it kind of prevents them from participating in like the things that they normally do or the things that they enjoy. Yeah. Another thing that I think comes up a lot with teenagers is bullying and that interpersonal Mm -hmm. distress that they experience at school. So the interpersonal conflict a teenager might have with their friends can be a healthy way to learn, how do I interact with my friends? Mm -hmm. How do I communicate? How do I express my emotions and learn how to relate to this other human? Um, But when it becomes a fear of interacting with people or a fear of how these people are treating me, that can become so distressing and debilitating um, and can cause a lot of that harm on the child's emotion and mental health. You mentioned um, when you do take a mental health day that you should participate in like more restorative activities and like we don't want to just be scrolling social media for hours. Can you give us some more examples of um, those healthy activities? Absolutely. So two mental health concerns that come up frequently with teenagers are depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. For depression, some specific restorative activities activities that could be very beneficial for the teenager are things like yoga, um, doing a like activity outside, going on a walk, moving their body. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're feeling depressed, our natural urge is to retreat and stay in bed and kind of freeze and uh, feeling like, I don't want to do anything today. I just want to lay in bed. I want to be here. So if we can do the opposite of that, if we can go on that walk, get that movement Mm -hmm. and be intentional about where we're putting our body or what we're doing with our body, that can be very restorative. Mm -hmm. And then for anxiety, we want to look at relaxation and relaxation techniques. So yoga could be that form Mm -hmm. of very specific movement. It's focused. It guides that tension in the body, the strength of the body, um, and can help feel more restorative or relaxing. Um, With anxiety, maybe taking a nap is a helpful restorative activity, Mm -hmm. being able to give your mind and your body some of that rest, um, or taking a nice bubble bath, or um, stretching, doing things that are intentional, slow movements that promote that relaxation. What's the significance of like doing those slow activities? Because like all of those are very... You know, I think maybe with school, like a lot of times things are so fast paced. And then you're saying like on a mental health day to literally do the opposite of that and like take that moment and to like completely slow down. Yeah. 
When our brains are feeling overwhelmed, whether it's the anxiety or the depression, when we have that um, emotional distress, we are often overstimulated by everything else that's going on around us. So if we can be more mindful, which is really hard and feels very uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. so it's not like, hey, just do some yoga, it's going to be fine. If the teenager has never done an activity like that and they're feeling highly anxious, it will be very hard, mm-hmm. but it it can be very healthy and very healing to slow down, take that moment of how can I intentionally engage with my body and with my mind mm-hmm. to be more aware of what's happening inside of me. Okay, great. This kind of leads me to, into something that I think about a lot. I used to be a special education and elementary education teacher. And one of the things that I think about a lot is like, I love that when the time comes to take that day to rest and practice those like restorative activities, that's great. But I guess I'm concerned about like, what can we do to prevent some of this or limit it? So I think about, you know, my students, they would get to school like at 730 a.m. We'd start the day at eight and it's pretty much go, go, go all day long. The schedule's kind of chosen for them. Um, There's really not a lot of rest in the day and then I know most of my students were very involved in like extracurricular activities and so while my school we didn't require very much homework it was very minimal I know that's not the case in a lot of places especially like in high school so our kids are in school for basically a full work day they go to their extracurricular activities and then they go home and some of them have hours of homework every single night and then you know like that is overwhelming so what can parents do to be like empathetic to those pressures, but also have like conversations or help them build those skills to, you know, manage their time better and to limit the stress and the anxiety because like they really do have such full plates. So I'm really curious on like the clinical perspective of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, teenagers face a lot and Mm -hmm. school is really hard and that stress is real. It's happening Mm -hmm. um, and schools are becoming I think more demanding over time, Mm -hmm. along with all those added pressures of social media and relationships Mm -hmm. and academic, um, that academic component, sports, all those things that are involved. Um, For parents, a big piece of it is that balance and structure. So our teenagers, our kids need consistency and they need that structure to thrive. Mm -hmm. A kid doesn't come up um, out of the womb knowing how to create that structure for themselves. They are taught how to do that by their parents and the other adults around them. And some of those kids don't have the privilege of having that structure taught to them Mm -hmm. um, in a healthy way because parents are modeling that and some parents have never been taught that healthy structure Mm -hmm. as well. So if we can look at, is my child getting enough sleep? That's so important. Is my child getting enough to eat? Are they eating frequently? Are they drinking Mm -hmm. enough water? Um, Are they moving their body? Do they have some trusting relationships in their life, whether Mm -hmm. it's in the family or with friends, people that help contribute to their um, emotional development and their well-being. If they have each of these things, we're more likely to experience that consistency of that structure that helps the child thrive. But when sleep is off balance, that Mm -hmm. can throw everything out of whack and create um, that distress for the child where if they don't aren't getting enough sleep, they're not going to be paying attention in school because their body just wants to rest. Um, 
from a teacher's perspective, I think looking at how can I help my classroom, um, seeing each child individually, which is so hard because the teachers have Mm -hmm. an overwhelming amount of students that they're responsible for. But thinking through, are these academic requirements useful for each of these children? Um, There will be some kids that have more needs and need more accommodations. So as the teacher being able to realize, maybe this child doesn't need to do this assignment and they're not missing out on the academic demands, I can excuse it and it will be okay, Um, which I know is easy to say and really hard to implement because teachers have so many responsibilities as well. Sure. Like with that being said, how can parents like say your student does like need a mental health day or they're really just dealing with a lot of school anxiety or just difficulties going? How can parents approach that conversation with teachers from a place of, you know, wanting to build a trusting relationship or partner together or work together to truly like make sure that the students needs are being met? So like how can parents kind of approach that? Yeah, absolutely. Um I think for parents, getting to know the teacher a little bit, um, building that relationship is key. If the parent shows they're invested in their child's education Mm -hmm. and they're able to advocate for their child and say, I want to help out, how can I help, or how can I help you as the teacher um, invest in my child's education, Mm -hmm. the teacher is far more open and far more likely to be able to step in and say, absolutely, I want to be able to help and I care about your child Mm -hmm. as a person and as a student. What can I do to help them meet those academic demands? Um, Another piece of that is ongoing communication. So Mm -hmm. if a parent hasn't talked to a teacher all semester and all of a sudden they're stepping in and they're like, you need to be lighter on my child or um, my child is too overwhelmed, they won't be doing the assignments, that can be coming out of nowhere for the teacher. Mm -hmm. And the teacher might be confused about, I don't really know. I didn't know any of this was going on. I don't really know Mm -hmm. how to help this specific student. So being open in communication, being transparent about this is what my child needs or this is what we've been looking at at home um, and this is what we think could be best. Is there any way you could meet us halfway or Mm -hmm. could I step in and could I have the homework before the child or um, can you help me understand this assignment so I can help my child get through it? Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. I do agree with you. Like that open communication is so crucial because – You know, in an elementary school, it's a lot easier to know your students very well. Maybe you've got 20, 30, 40, even if you're on the high end. Mm -hmm. But you do get to know your students very well. Um, But I think as you go through the upper grades and you're with students for shorter periods of times, it's a lot harder to know what's going on at home and what those additional stressors are. So I think it's really important for, like, families and, you know, school school teachers, staff, um, like, all the adults involved to, like, you know, navigate those open conversations. Um, Because otherwise, if you don't know what's going on, it's going to be really hard to, you know, make the adjustments needed. So I think that's, thanks for bringing that up. And I think a a thing I would add to that, being, um, as the parent, being transparent with your child about, Mm -hmm. I think it's important that your teacher knows some of these things that are going on so they can help you, Mm -hmm. but also being very sensitive to, does my teenager want their teacher to know everything that's happening in the home? Is my child okay with the teacher knowing they have panic attacks or that they struggle with depression? Mm -hmm. Because if not, that could hinder the child's comfort or the teenager's comfort in the classroom or with that teacher. So being very sensitive to 
okay, we need to share some of this information because it could be very helpful. But if my child's uncomfortable with their teacher knowing these things, Mm -hmm. that could be more detrimental if I share that and that could break the trust between the parent and the teenager. So one might be like a good idea to bring in um, or go speak with the school counselor, like encouraging your teenager to go speak with the school counselor or uh, connecting with them as a family. Um, if Would that be beneficial in a situation like that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the overarching piece of talking about mental health days is that we're continually breaking down the stigma. Mm-hmm. Um, mental health is health and it's important and we all need to pay attention to our mental health. So the more that we can create these conversations within the home of everybody needs help. Nobody's made to do this life alone. I, as the parent or I, as the teacher, I, as the school counselor, also struggle with my mental health. I am not good 100% of the time because I'm human. So fostering that environment in the home, in the schools, in Mm -hmm. the podcast and talking through (laughs) how can we continue to break down that stigma and create that support of everybody needs that additional support at some point or at many points in their life. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That's it's human. There's nothing wrong with that. So creating that space for teenagers to feel more comfortable instead of feeling like, I don't want people to know I'm going to the school counselor Mm -hmm. or I feel really awkward. I don't even know my school counselor. I've never talked to them. Um, So there's a lot that schools can be working on as well to continue creating that open door policy Mm -hmm. for the school counselor to be more involved in the students' lives and We also need more school counselors in the schools (laughs) because the demand is so high. So there's a lot of issues in the system. But yeah, I really like the uh, the point that you made about like having that conversation as a family, because the more comfortable and the more practice your teenager has having these conversations in like a productive, healthy way um, and kind of being like solution oriented and like recognizing like what you're struggling with and like finding ways to deal with that anxiety or depression or whatever it is and you know a way that's you know more sustainable is great but then that also translates to them being able to like advocate for themselves because developmentally teenagers are that is something that they're learning they're yeah. being able to advocate for themselves they do have their own ideas they do want to share those things so if they're able to have those conversations in the home it's more likely they'll be able to have those conversations with their teachers and advocate for themselves or be more comfortable talking to their peers and then yeah. you know potentially the counselor as well yeah absolutely if a child learns in the home that it's not safe to talk about my feelings mm-hmm. they will not feel safe to talk about their feelings with right. really anybody so if we can see in the home uh, that this child has the experience of feeling validated and Mm -hmm. feeling heard and trusted that what they're saying is true. Um, For example, I hear a lot of teenagers who will tell their parents, I'm feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. And I hear the parents say, you have nothing to be anxious about. And although that can be said with good motivation of Mm -hmm. like comfort, it's really invalidating to the teenager who is really experiencing that anxiety, the tension in their body, the shortness of breath, the fear of the outcome. So being able to say, oh, I hear that you're anxious. Can Mm -hmm. you tell me what that's like for you? Can you tell me Mm -hmm. what I can do to help? How can I meet you where you're at? Mm -hmm. And opening that conversation and welcoming those topics that are hard to talk about and can be really awkward to talk about in families. Um, But opening that conversation and creating that safe space to share what's Mm -hmm. going on. Yeah, I think a lot of us grew up you know, not really having these conversations mm-hmm. or, you know, we did kind of have a lot of comments like, yeah, just wait till you're older, you have a job or, 
you know, kind of downplaying those stressors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's really important to keep in mind, like as we talked about before, like our students do have a lot of stress. Oh, yeah. They are really short on time, you know, compared to all of their responsibilities. So can you tell us, I, I like how you explain how parents can approach that conversation more empathetically. Can you give us like some more examples of how to navigate that? Because it yeah. is hard to open up those conversations. Your kid gets in the car and you say, how's your day? It's fine. You know, that's pretty common for for most parents. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as a parent, so I'm a, a parent myself. I have a three-year-old. He's not a teenager, but I can relate to the parenting aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a parent, things that we want to try to do to communicate with our children mm-hmm. is creating that open space for validation and the safety where they can come and express what they're feeling, knowing it's safe for me to share. Even if my parents don't agree, we don't have to agree everything with everything that our child says, but just validating, okay, I hear that you're anxious. I hear that this is happening for you. I imagine that's really difficult. Can mm-hmm. you tell me more? Um, also approaching that with curiosity. So as the parent, I'm curious what your internal world is like because I can't read your thoughts. Mm -hmm. I'm not you. I don't know what's happening inside. I can observe your body language. I can observe your tone of voice. I can observe when you jump in the car and sit back and you're like, Mm -hmm. it's fine. Don't want to talk about it. I can observe that. But a child who may present that way of like, it's fine. I don't want to talk about it might be going through depression. They might Mm -hmm. be going through anxiety. They might have gone through a breakup or lost a friend. They might be having scary thoughts inside that they don't know how to navigate. So as the parent, I always tell my clients, putting on this hat of curiosity, Mm -hmm. put on the ball cap and say, hmm, what is going on here? What can I do about this? How can I understand this better? So being curious and asking those questions, tell me more. How do you know that you're feeling anxious? I want to know so I can help you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and imagine that's kind of a transition for parents too because you know your children so intimately, especially when they're young and you're able to anticipate their needs and then there's that shift in like the preteen, teen years and suddenly like they do have their own internal world going on and it's a lot more difficult to kind of protect them or those kinds of things. And I think like we've all, you know, I think a lot of people when they were teenagers, my parents just don't understand me. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really great point of being curious because they are encountering different kinds of people and they are being exposed to just all sorts of different things, especially with like social media. So their life experience is going to be different than even what you guys share as a family so I like that being curious because you know if you open that conversation up without presuming that you know exactly how something's affecting them or what that behavior means like I know when like I saw with like my students like if you make the assumption about what that behavior means that can be very frustrating and cause them to shut down because Mm -hmm. your behavior like that might not be the intention that you're parents are assuming so yeah makes a lot of sense yeah and it's not easy oh for sure (laughs) parenting a teenager is very difficult and being a teenager is very difficult yeah so I'm glad we're talking okay so what would you suggest for parents let's say they've already you know been having open honest conversations with their teenager their student and you know they've kind of taken those preventative measures they're working on like time management they're having those open discussions maybe they've taken a couple mental health days and they're you know making that day about like rest and restore like restoration and 
you know, doing things that are mindful and those kinds of things. But what if, how do you know when it's something more significant? Like what are the warning signs for? Do you look for patterns? Like is there a reason they're continuously taking these mental health days? Or has it been a prolonged period of time? How do you know when it's time to kind of seek additional support outside of just taking a mental health day? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we mental health days are helpful and important. Um, but when they become used excessively or they become a pattern of that behavior, mm-hmm. we're able to see, okay, we've taken three mental health days this week. Mm-hmm. What else could be going on? Um, because the hope is that when we take one mental health day, or maybe two days in a row, depending on what the stressor was that indicated the need for a mental health day, if we take those one or two days, the hope is that we can return to school and feel restored and feel health, um, feel more uh, like healthy and ready to engage. But if we go back to school and we're calling our parent and it's like, hey, can you pick me up early? I just can't do this. And now we've gone several days or a week of missing those classes. Mm-hmm. That can be the biggest warning sign for the parents realizing my child hasn't gone to school this week or my child has missed half days of school each day this week Mm -hmm. because I've had to pick them up early. Okay, I'm going to put on this hat of curiosity Mm -hmm. and I'm going to approach it with what else is going on? I don't think it's just that they want to miss school because most teenagers want to miss school. They'd rather be at home. Some of them would rather be doing other things than sitting in class getting lectured all day, which is understandable. Um, But if they're really like, I do not want to be at school. I can't do Mm -hmm. this. I'm so anxious or I'm so depressed. I just, I have to disengage. Mm -hmm. That's the first warning sign for the parent of, okay, I think something else is going on here. Let's talk to somebody, whether it's scheduling a meeting with the school counselor, if they're available to that, um, or reaching out to a mental health professional like a therapist Mm -hmm. who can ask those questions and create that space for the child to be more open about what's happening. And the child may not know what's happening either. Um, So as parents, we don't want to pry and ask those questions and say, like, you have to go to school. Mm -hmm. I can't pick you up anymore. I'm so frustrated with you. That might be what's happening inside for the parents mm-hmm. because it is frustrating when you don't understand what's happening with your child. But being frustrated at your child openly and punishing mm-hmm. them for wanting to miss school is not going to help the problem. It's only going to contribute to that stress that the child's right. facing. So being willing to say, I'm frustrated and I'm confused and I can deal with that within myself as the parent. Mm-hmm. But when I talk with my child, how can I help you? It seems like something else is going on. What can we do? Because missing school forever is not an option. We have to go to school. It's a state requirement. It's good for your academic development. It's good for your brain. What can we do to help support you mm-hmm. as you're figuring this out? Okay. Well, and because this is so new for a lot of us in terms of like talking about our mental health and like seeking additional support, um, how do parents know like when they should go to the school counselor or, you know, you said contact a mental health professional. How do I know who to go to or how do I know the difference between just, you know, reaching out to a therapist or going through my insurance or um, looking at like a, a program or service that offers more intensive therapy? How do I even navigate that world? Yeah, yeah. And that's a huge question. I love it. (laughs) Um, So the first thing, I have a lot of teen clients who have told me time and again, 
I've been telling my parents I need to talk to somebody for months Mm. and they haven't taken me. And now finally I'm sitting with you, but I've been telling my parents for the last six months that I wanted to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. So part of that is as the parent, if your child says, I need to talk to somebody, I don't know what's happening or I'm feeling things inside and I don't want to talk to you about it, Mm -hmm. but I do want to talk to someone please listen to your child because that is the best way they know how to communicate. I need help. I need to talk to someone who knows what they're doing, who's an expert in um, this mental health issue that I'm facing. Mm -hmm. So that's the first part. And then with insurance, um, I think calling your insurance to find a provider can be a really helpful way to do it Mm because every insurance policy is different. So teenager tells parent, I need to talk to someone. Parent can then say, okay, I'm going to try to get the ball rolling. I can't promise we'll have something available this week. Some providers are very tight in their schedule. Mm -hmm. So part of the um, issue is that some therapists are very full and it, it can be hard to find a therapist mm-hmm. that fits the needs. And I definitely understand right. that. Mm-hmm. So calling the insurance and saying, I have a child struggling with anxiety. I need a mm-hmm. provider in my area who's covered by our policy. Okay. The insurance company can provide a list of people mm-hmm. or provide more direction that's very specific to the policy um, to help the parent find mm-hmm. the next step. Um, the school counselor could also have resources. I'm not a school counselor, so I can't speak for them, but they might also have resources Mm -hmm. that are helpful in the community or support groups or different like clubs or programs at school that create more opportunities to talk about mental health as well. Okay, so I think a good starting point then if would be to talk to the school counselor and try and see what they're going to know a little bit more about what's available in the community. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so kind of building on that idea of kind of building that relationship with your child and working together to kind of solve the problem or find resources that are going to be helpful. Um, what is What else can parents do to more effectively like model those healthy coping strategies, especially if parents maybe grew up in a situation where they didn't really learn those things until much later in life? Yeah. Yeah. So in short. Uh, Parents are human too. Mm -hmm. Um, No surprise there. So parents also deal with the same emotions and physical and mental um, psychological challenges that teenagers face. It looks different because they're not Mm -hmm. the same stressors and struggles. But as parents, we also have all of those needs for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So for parents, it's really important, I think, first and foremost, to set aside that time for yourself away from your kids. Um, If you have a partner, spending that time together, having Mm -hmm. date nights or um, times where you can talk about what's going on with the kids without the kids present, Um, going out to stores by yourself, taking walks by yourself, Mm -hmm. taking care of your basic needs um, because you're human. And Mm -hmm. if we as the parents are not well um, and we're struggling a lot and we can't take care of ourselves because there's so much going on in our internal world, Mm -hmm. it makes it a million times harder and it feels very impossible to meet the needs of our child. So if I'm feeling very anxious, if I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling depressed and I'm going through my own battles, it's going to be very challenging to help my child find that structure and balance and show them the coping skills that they need to use to thrive in their own life. Um, So we can use some preventative measures to, again, with that structure and routine we talked about with the kids to prevent the overwhelm in school. Mm -hmm. As parents, we can use that ourselves with making sure we're getting enough sleep, we're drinking water, um, we're eating meals, and we're uh, engaging in those restorative activities on our own. 
making sure that work is not becoming our whole life so that we have time for our basic needs. We have time for family. We have time for other adult friends that aren't our kids so that we can feel connected in those trusting relationships. So meeting all of those needs helps us feel well so that we can then model for our kids. I take care of myself too. And there's nothing wrong as me as mom. um, We talk about mom guilt sometimes, Mm -hmm. but there's nothing wrong as for me as mom to take time for myself. I need that time for myself. That's what's healthy for my development and healthy for my well-being. And the kids understanding, yeah, mom needs alone time because mm-hmm. mom does better. Mom's a better mom when she's doing well in her own. Okay, so in addition to modeling those healthy behaviors and taking care of yourself, I'm curious, again, more about the prevention and like kind of taking action um, ahead of time. How can we better help teenagers who are getting ready for life after high school, whether that's, you know, a trade school or military or um, going to college or just getting, you know, a job and kind of exploring their options. How can we better help them prepare? Because one of the things that I think causes a lot of stress in that transition from high school to college is you've spent the last 13 school years having your day planned out for you, you know, at a certain time, you're doing a certain subject, and then the rest of your day is kind of blocked out for you again because you have your extracurriculars, and you fit in your homework in between that, and then they immediately go to college, for instance, and now you have school a couple times a week, and that's when you have your classes, and now you have all these days with unstructured time, and I think for a lot of you know, teens, young adults, like that's probably the first time in their life they're now having to plan their own day. We've never really provided them that practice. We've mm-hmm. talked about time management skills, but they've never even created their own day, you know, on a consistent basis. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if you go to a trade school, same kind of thing. Or if you get a job, what do you do with the rest of your time mm-hmm. um, when you're not working? So how do we help model that transition since that's their first time in countering yeah. a new lifestyle. Yeah. I think our most powerful tool is education mm-hmm. um, and not just education from an academic stem- standpoint, but educating on what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So educating these teens on the world is your oyster. You have all these choices sure. and there's not a right or wrong way to do these things. Um, there's not a, not a right or wrong decision. And do I go to college first? Do I get a mm-hmm. job first? Do I go to trade school? Do I join the military? There are so many options mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be black and white. Yeah. So helping them understand here are your choices and here's what you can do with that. Mm-hmm. You get to decide for you, um, empowering them to make those choices, knowing I can do what I want with my time. Here are some things that are important to do with my time. I do need to get sleep and eat and Mm -hmm. I will have bills to pay. I do have responsibilities. And when I have education on how to take care of those responsibilities, Mm -hmm. I then understand how can I schedule time to take care of each of these things that need to get done. If I am saving up for a car and I'm educated on how much the car costs and how much I make, 
I'm then capable of making that choice for myself to decide this is how much I can put away to save for this car. Mm -hmm. So I think it it all comes back to that education um, and then for parents being able to model some of that as well, Mm -hmm. helping the child understand there's time. We can figure this out together. You're not alone in this. Mm -hmm. And here's information that can help you make those informed decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really important because, you know, teenagers – they're very intelligent and they do have yeah, their own opinions absolutely. yeah and their ideas and so i think sometimes parents like we might assume that well you should know how to do that but i think it's kind of like taking that step back pausing and then like you said being curious and like showing them and like being explicit and showing how to do these things and like helping them recognize that they do have autonomy and choices and that you know choices have consequences but here's how we can consider all the factors and what needs to be taken care of. And then ultimately that choice is still yours, but yeah. showing them how to, you know, approach situations. Um, yeah. And think of them more thoughtfully. Yeah. And teenagers love to be independent. Mm-hmm. And if we as parents and adults around them can help foster that independence in a healthy way of offering those choices, giving them the information they need to mm-hmm. make those informed decisions, they can feel more confident and more um, strong in who they are as they're developing their sense of self. So giving them that information and that choice, they can say, oh, you know what? I do want to go to college or I do want to buy that car. I am capable of doing these mm-hmm. things. And then supporting them along the way and knowing they might be making a decision that's not as healthy for them, but as the parent, I can help guide them and not just shut them down each time that right. they're trying to be independent because they'll learn those consequences of the choices. And that's a necessary part of developing as a human being. Yeah, absolutely. Something else that kind of keeps coming back to my mind is something that you said about, um, you know, some of your clients that you've had or that you've worked with, they've kind of shared that they've been wanting to talk to somebody for a while that really keeps coming back to my mind and you know it's kind of been put off and it took a while for them to be able to you know get with get to you Mm -hmm. um what are some of the misconceptions that families or students or people just still have about seeking support for mental health services like how can we close that close that gap or still work on reducing the stigma yeah absolutely I think um you had mentioned earlier where kids have this stress and we might say oh you have nothing to worry about Mm -hmm. you're not stressed you're fine um so part of the misconception is parents ultimately knowing their child very well Mm -hmm. um, but not knowing everything we don't know everything about our child's internal world Mm -hmm. we can't read their minds we can only observe through our senses And if that child is struggling, they know themselves best. They know that they're struggling. They know something's going on. Mm -hmm. So when they communicate, I need to talk to somebody. I don't know what's happening. I don't have the answers for myself, but I need help. As the parent believing that and saying, I trust that you know yourself best. Mm -hmm. And I trust that I don't know everything about you. I've known you for a long time. I Mm -hmm. do know you very intimately and very well, but I don't know everything about Mm -hmm. you. So if I can create that opportunity for you to learn more about yourself through seeking help, I'm going to do that as best as I can. And I can't promise that we'll have weekly sessions because Mm -hmm. of scheduling or money or um, these other factors that come into play in a realistic world, but I can promise that I'm here to support you and I believe you in your experience. Yeah. Yeah. When families come to you, is there still um, 
kind of a sense sometimes that parents are worried about, you know, seeking out support for their children? Like, are they, is there any kind of idea that, like, if we talk about it, then the problem becomes real or if we, like, kind of ignore it or downplay that it'll be okay? Is there a concern about actually like, seeking help from a professional or talking about it that it's going to make it worse? Is that something that's experienced? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think in my, with the parents and teens that I've been working with over the past year, I experienced that more with the parents than mm-hmm. with the teenagers. So I, from most of my teenagers, it seems, or they've told me that they're open with their friends about what they're struggling with and that they're going to therapy and they're they're finding help. So it seems that more so uh, the teenager is comfortable with their people knowing that they're mm-hmm. seeking help. But I do feel some of that pushback from the parents um, and not every parent. And I think it has gotten so much better mm-hmm. as we've become more aware of how important mental health is. So I think overall that stigma has decreased um, a lot over the years, but there's still a lot of okay. growth to do. But with the parents, helping them understand just because your child needs help does not mean that that's a reflection on you as a parent. Mm-hmm. You have not created the anxiety. You have not forced mm-hmm. them into depression. You are not a bad parent mm-hmm. just because your child is struggling. If anything, you're an amazing parent for being willing to be attuned to that and see my child is struggling and they need help. Um, and it's like making me emotional because it's such a powerful thing yeah. to think about as the parent, you're doing your best and it's mm-hmm. so hard. Um, and knowing these parents are so needy for like, I just need help. I just need something. Can somebody please help me? So I love that I get to walk alongside parents and say, you're doing your best. Mm-hmm. You're doing the best that you know how to do. You're doing an awesome job and we can do better. There's more that we can do. Here's education, here are coping skills, here are resources. Um, but for the parents, if I can offer any encouragement, knowing Mm -hmm. you are doing the best that you know how to do with what you've been given. And there's always more that we can learn. There's always more that we can do. Where? Okay. So we've talked about a lot of different things, what a mental health day is, what you should do when you take a mental health day, maybe knowing when you need to get additional support and just additional stressors that our teens are facing. What's something that we can leave parents with is kind of Um, like a key takeaway or just to kind of guide them, you know, in continuing to build their relationship with their child? Yeah. So I'd say a key takeaway, if you take anything away from today's adventure, um, ask yourself this uh, guiding question. Um, If your child is experiencing a stressor or they're saying they need to take a day off from school, um, using this guiding question to help inform that decision. So thinking through when a potentially stressful event has occurred or my child has expressed they need to stay home from school, mm-hmm. will taking a mental health day benefit their mental health and be productive or could that potentially be more harmful for them at this time? And then asking your teenager for their input as well um, because sometimes the teen might be in that state of, I just don't want to go to school. And asking yourself as the parent, is there something really going on or is it, I don't want to take my geometry test. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for the teenager being able to reflect on, no, I I can face that today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to school today. I think that would be helpful. Or them being able to advocate for themselves and say, 
I can't do it. I really need to stay home, do some stretching, do some mindfulness movement, take care of myself, and then I'll be ready to go tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So for the parents, when that potentially stressful event occurs, asking your child is taking a mental health day going to be more beneficial or could it potentially be detrimental to them this week? Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, And I think what goes along with that is what you've been saying this whole time is like being curious. They're expressing a need for that or you're noticing something and you're thinking they might need a mental health day. Being curious about why and what's causing that so you guys can kind of dive in and have a conversation about what's causing that stressor. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about mental health days. And thank you to everyone that watched and joining us for a roadmap to joy. We'd love it if you subscribe below and we'll see you next time.